step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Give us a call, 347-838-9815. That is the number to call. 
as you've been with us on this journey for one more year as we close up 2014. So let's get this end-of-year soiree underway. Without further ado, let me bring on, for the last time in 2014, my tag team partner, Dave, all the way from Connecticut. Dave, how you doing this evening? Yes, it is I, the sense maker, the guy who makes sense of things here on the Ken Reedy Show, donned in my best, best million-dollar man Ted DiBiase tuxedo t-shirt for this year-end spectacular. You can find that million-dollar man tuxedo t-shirt at ProWrestlingTees.com. Check it out right now. And, yes, I just gave you guys a free plug, so you better give me a free friggin' t-shirt. Yes, it is the last time, 2014, the last time that you're going to hear my big mouth talk about the world of professional wrestling. Um, a lot of a lot of stories, a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, like I said yesterday, 2014 was the year that wrestling flirted with the future. Well, now 2015, excuse me, needs to make that big move. Like the guy needs to make the move to get the girl's phone number in the bar at the end of the night. Wrestling needs to make the big move in 2015 of the future becoming the present. And I look forward to discussing that and many more topics here tonight on the year-end spectacular of the Ken Reedy Show. And that's just a tease because we got so many things to talk about in the year. But first, you know, we would be remiss not to talk about what occurred last night because that's what we do here. And, and you know, for the WWE of the year 2014, and, and if you listened to the pregame show yesterday, you know our, our thoughts on the lead-in. If you didn't, well, shame on you. You should have because there's none better out there. Um, but, you know, the, the, the build was lackluster going into the, the pay-per-view last night. Um. But we both, I mean, I think, Dave, we were on the same page with this pay-per-view. We thought that the, the build was lackluster, uh, which I felt like we said a lot over the course of this year, especially the latter half of the year. But we got a solid pay-per-view. We got a, a three hours, for the most part, of entertaining matches. Um, you know, at least for us, our picks, we, we were over 500, uh, very close to being exactly five. We were five and four over the course of the night in our picks. Um, you know, we we're around the same with our picks. We differed on two matches, and we split on those matches. Um, so I think we we got some solid matches. Um, you know, it was entertaining. Uh, what's been cool, like, over the course of this year, uh, developed a new group that comes over to watch the pay-per-views, which I, I, I enjoy because I like to see how other people uh, react to certain things. And, and I think, you know, there's there's... There's so many different dynamics to watching a wrestling pay-per-view. There's, you know, if you're there live, um, if you're there at home with maybe friends, and if you're just watching it kind of by yourself or with one other person. So there's, it, there's so many interesting dynamics on how to enjoy like wrestling, and and uh, I, I find it interesting when when you have a group you can really feed off of. Uh, you know, it's almost like it's it's kind of going to it live. You, you kind of get that that live crowd feel on a on a very very uh, small scale. You know, I thought everyone was entertained in my living room. A couple living room pops, but I gotta say, man, you know, one of the things with, with a pay per view and how it's booked, um, you hope that over the course of a night that the the pay per view builds, the show builds to a crescendo. And as much as uh, you know, Ambrose and and, and Wyatt gave us a, a really good match. Um, I thought Cena and Rollins gave us a good match. But as far as I'm concerned, this wrestling fan. Ziggler and Harper, man, they stole the show. They gave you a hard-hitting matchup, some really cool spots, 
back and forth. Uh, we, we got a little crimson, a little bit of crimson, and in 2014, there, that is a rarity. And as far as the, the, the vibe in the living room, um, everyone was sitting there thinking, wow, this pay-per-view is going to be amazing because if they're opening the pay-per-view with this match, these guys have set the bar high. Here we go. And last night we had discussed on how you know perhaps there was some tension between NXT and the, the main roster, and, and the main roster was going to go out there and bring it. And as much as I thought they brought a solid pay-per-view, the pay-per-view did not get any better from Harper and Ziggler. Harper and Ziggler stole the show to me. That was a a show-stealer by, by, by any definition of, of show-stealer. I love that match, love what they did. I, I, I would love to see them continue and have a program for a couple more, more matches. Um, I, as, a, as an old-school wrestling fan, I thought you had some really high-impact uh, maneuvers. You had some intense violence. Um, all in all, again, not enough positive to say about this match. And, and it could quite, you know, possibly the, the nominees and the ballot was done beforehand. But th- this is a match that maybe should have been on the ballot for match of the year. Um, it, it's debatable, but I thought the match was really good. Show Stealer, your thoughts, Dave? Overall, for the pay-per-view, I do agree with you. It was a solid outing. Um, you know, I, I, I made a, a pretty much off-the-cuff prediction in hopes that it would come true, and it did with Ambrose and Wyatt headlining last night's pay-per-view, which is a testament to the talent as well as the WWE and their audience that WWE in some way is listening to their audience despite what most wrestling fans feel and that they are letting the future of the company, Ambrose and Wyatt, just two members of the future, by the way, because there's plenty more guys out there that, that are going to lead WWE into the next decade, um, they let them headline the pay-per-view, and I thought that was a, I thought it was a good match. Um, or, I would go as far as to say it, was, it, it wasn't great, but it was a really good match, and a lot of high-intensity with the spots there. Um, I, I didn't understand the finish. I, I wasn't really too keen about the finish of the match, considering the way that the story had built in the match. Um, but, yeah, the, overall, I thought it was a good match. Cena and Rollins, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I You know, the false finishes and the, the interference from Big Show and the, the, the Stooges 2.0 and then Ro- Roman Reigns returning got a big pop. I thought that was cool. Uh, but, yeah, Ziggler and Harper, they stole it. I mean, you know, it was one of those matches where I, you know, you talk about how you watch a wrestling pay-per-view, and you mentioned you had a living room full of people. Um, some people go to the event and watch it live. Uh, my girlfriend and I were under the covers in bed watching the pay-per-view, just the two of us. And she watched the first match, and like me, she was cringing, especially at that spot where Harper did the suicide dive through the la- to the ladder, but it, his arm went through one of the rungs at the same time that the ladder was hitting the floor. I thought he broke his arm. I really, truly did. Um, but it's it was like, a so, so did all match. of us. Like all of us watching the paper, we all thought the same thing. Right? So it must have been across America. But we were thinking the yeah. same thing. He, he broke his arm there. But it, what a cool spot! Yeah, it was. It was. It was really cool. You know, he took some risks too. Ziggler bumped around like a son of a bitch because he always does, and he, and he does what's best for business, in my opinion. Um, it, it's funny too because you and I predicted Harper to win the match, and we, that was one of the picks that we lost. And I completely forgot they were in Ziggler's hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, until Lillian Garcia mentioned it. And I was like, oh, shit, there goes one pick I'm going to lose, you know. <laughs> but it, I, was pleasant, I, I was 
And seriously, that's what it was. I was like, damn it, I forgot they're in his hometown. I'm like, they're not going to let the hometown kid lose. I mean, he came out wearing a Kent State uh, hooded sweatshirt. He used to wrestle for Kent State. So, um, overall, I, I thought the show overall was good. It, like I said, solid, but that match definitely stole the show. I mean, the pop that Ziggler got entering the match and the spots and everything in between, like, it, it, over, it set the bar pretty high. Um, and everything else didn't really seem to live up to it. But those three matches are probably the the high points of the event for me personally. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, you know, there were there were some lulls throughout the pay-per-view, but, you know, all in all, top to bottom, a, a very uh, solid pay-per-view. Um, you know, and again, like, and we've talked about it, and, and perhaps, you know, looking to the future as, as tonight's show, uh, you know, looking back on this year and looking towards 2015 and beyond, uh, you know, we, we keep saying it, and uh, we keep hoping, and uh, we've seen signs of, of, of moving forward um, and, and making these secondary titles mean a, a little bit more. Um, I, I think you got a little bit uh, more of that last night. Um, I got to tell you the funniest thing last night for a, one match I honestly did not watch. Uh, the network crapped out on us uh, in the very beginning of Rusev Swagger and, and it, honestly, it came back, and and, Rus- and Rusev was celebrating, like that was like okay, I guess that's it. So, um, you know, I didn't I didn't actually see that match, but uh, you know, Rusev and you didn't Ziggler, miss much. I, I figured as much. I, I think Rusev really... and Ziggler are doing a lot for those two belts, and and you know, to see a match like that steal the show, and it be for the IC title. And, and the way Ziggler embraced that belt on top of the ladder and, and the pop he got, look, I'm not naive, and I know that it could be very short-term, but it kind of, you know, as, as a traditional wrestling fan, which I kind of consider myself, um, it, it, it kind of it, it made me feel good. It, it Just for at least a split second, uh, the IC title not only mattered, it, it really mattered. I mean, the, the IC title was very, very important for that moment, just hearing that crowd. I know it's Ziggler's hometown, but the pop on top of the ladder, the way Ziggler was celebrating, I, I, it just felt really good for that championship. And I'm, again, not naive thinking this is de- oh, this is it. The IC title is going to matter. But I thought it was good for the championship itself last night at the end of that match there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Ziggler, um, you know, he's been in the Intercontinental title picture for the better half of the the. the Second year, you know, second half of this year, excuse me, uh, you know, traded it back and forth with Miz a few times, um, had a little bit of a run with Cesaro, and then he kind of fell to, to, to Harper about a month ago, but got the title back. Uh, Ziggler, you know, met, put out a tweet this morning talking about um, the people drive him and motivate him to, you know, make himself better and steal the show, and as well as wanting to bring intercontinental prestige. Back to that title is what he, you know, I, he, he was quoted as saying, and he's been doing a pretty damn good job of it. I would say 2014 in WWE, when it comes to the Intercontinental Championship, um, you know, the beginning of the year began with Big E Langston, or should I just say Big E, as the Intercontinental Champion. And then he dropped the title to a, a returning uh, Bad News Barrett, and Barrett had a, a solid run with the championship, even though it was brief. And then he, had the, he dropped the title in the, and he had the, because he got injured. But then from that point on, from that point on when I believe Miz won the title in the Battle Royal at Battleground, and then he started his run with Ziggler, that championship has had 
more meaning to it in recent years. And, and I, I truly believe that we've talked about it on this show before in the past few years, how the secondary titles have, have, have meant nothing. And they would slowly, slowly give you instances of where it's going to mean something. They would take it away from you. But this year in 2014, especially the second half of the year, the championship has been consistently portrayed in a way in WWE storylines to seem very important again. Um, and let's hope that that consistency, consistency and that trend continues heading into 2015 with the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, and, and, and like the, the, I think it's one of those things right now with the IC title as we look to the future that it, it's the perfect storm, and you just hope that the WWE capitalized on this. You got a guy like Ziggler who is over, who is hitting his stride, and, and you know, almost like old school where, you know, there's, there's no shame and we've said this a million times on this show, but you go back in time, there was no shame in being a mid-carder. Those mid-card guys would just go out and steal the show. And, you know, there's there's been this propensity in the WWE that, you know, that you have to rise to the main event status or, or you just haven't made it. And And right now, I think Ziggler is being used in a perfect way. He is so skilled in the ring. He is so good. And they've pushed them to the point of being like a, a, you know, in that IC picture, you know, an IC championship great. And and he's in that title picture. He's saying the right things that the IC title matters to him. He's not talking about it being a stepping stone. Now I get it personally, Ziggler. I'm sure you want the big bucks. You want to be ending pay-per-views. You want to be in the WWE championship picture. I get that. But right now, I think where Ziggler's push is um, and, and like how he's – I think they're both like feeding off of each other. I think the IC title is helping Ziggler. I think Ziggler is helping the IC title. And I just hope that they really continue to, to facilitate this title picture because I, I think it would be great. And, and, you know, as much as like we didn't – I didn't miss much with the match, I mean, I think Rusev has, has done a lot for the U.S. title. Rumors that they're going to rename it to the European title – Whatever the case is, um, and if this is Triple H's influence or someone else, who knows? But I think it's it's been a good sign for the WWE uh, to start to add a little bit of prestige to these two titles. Oh, completely agreed. I mean, especially you know in the recent months when the the, the WWE World Heavyweight Champion Brock Lesnar has been absent from WWE television and storyline. Um, these titles have had more opportunity to shine, more television time. Um, you know, there's there's building blocks with segments on on WWE television as well as on pay per views. And in, in recent months, the Intercontinental Championship and the United States Championship have been, you know, big segments on television and on pay per view. And Rusev and Ziggler have been at the forefront of those respective segments with those respective titles. And it's done nothing but good things for both individuals as well as for both championships. I mean, we talked about it last year, I remember. There was rumors of a Dean Ambrose-Biggie Langston match at WrestleMania with a title unification. And I wasn't big on the title unification. And the reason why I wasn't big on it was because they already unified the World Heavyweight title and the WWE title. And they made that title into one and making it the most important championship in wrestling. I felt because there was so much talent in the mid-card in WWE that hadn't been utilized properly, that it was necessary for them to have two mid-card championships because 
let's face it, one title's gone, there's a lot of guys lost in the shuffle. And, and I personally think, too, the other reason why those titles were kept in the positions they were in because the main event picture would be so crowded that some guys would be left out and you'd have to put them in positions like the Intercontinental Championship or like the United States Championship. Sheamus, for instance, had a long run with the United States Championship this year for the better part of the second half of this year. You know, Dolph Ziggler, a former world champion, traded the belt back and forth of Miz, but he's, he's had it on three occasions this year, two or three occasions this year. So it's added more prestige to the title and to the individual that's had it due to them putting importance on it as well as Lesnar and you know his championship being off TV for the past few months. Agreed. You know, and interestingly enough, I mean, one thing as as we, we recap 2014 tonight, go forward to 2015, I mean, the WWE, um, they set up what we're going to see, the title match we're going to see at the Rumble, at least for the time being, booked for the Rumble is uh, Cena versus Lesnar. Um, you know, one of the picks I got wrong and Dave got right. Uh, and, you know, we talked about it last night, and I do think that uh, I, again, probably picked a little bit too much with... Uh, my heart and, and what I wanted uh, to see, as opposed to what the WWE usually does. Um, I, you know, I want. I thought Rollins winning and, and Cena, uh, you know, not having the number one contendership anymore would have been uh, something that that a creative maybe could have sunk their teeth into. Would have been something interesting. Uh, they maintain the status quo. Uh, we got to see um, Roman Reigns come back, which is a good thing. Um, you know, got himself involved, took care of Big Show, uh, you know, as as well as helping out with, with Reigns, uh, with uh, Rollins. Um, I, I do think that, you know, maybe we have uh, Reigns, maybe he has a program with, with Big Show short term before he's uh, moved up into that main event uh, level. I, I got to be honest, I thought the match was very entertaining. I thought it was a good way to bring uh, Reigns back, um, but... I, I can't say that I'm really excited about seeing Cena and Lesnar again. Um, I do agree with you. I think um, it was a great way that, to bring in Roman Reigns back. It got a huge pop. Um, but here's my theory on that as well as what you just mentioned, Lesnar and Cena. Now, I'm not in favor of seeing this match. It's been done twice. But going back, I watched the replay of TLC this morning on the on the network, and they had a commercial um, hyping Lesnar and Cena at the Royal Rumble and dubbing it the final battle, the final encounter between these two men. Part of me thinks, and I just this could be another hunch that I'm going with, but part of me thinks that that is tied into Reigns' interference in the match helping Cena. I personally feel that there's a good chance Brock Lesnar does not leave the Royal Rumble with the World Heavyweight Championship, and it's John Cena that's to defeat Brock Lesnar. They've hyped it as the final encounter between the two, the final chapter in this rivalry. Now, do you really think, knowing Vince McMahon, knowing history in WWE, that Vince McMahon is going to let a guy whose contract ends the night after WrestleMania hold their championship going into the biggest event in their company's history of that year? I personally think there's a chance that if they haven't reached a new deal with Lesnar as of, as of right now, and there's a good chance that Cena drops the title, or Cena gets the title and Lesnar drops it to him, and that's why Reigns helped Cena, and that Reigns will 
face John Cena at WrestleMania for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, and it will be the proverbial passing of the torch from Cena to Reigns, because we all know Reigns is the heir apparent to John Cena's throne in WWE. I mean, it's been rumored that they want Lesnar and Reigns to be the headline match at WrestleMania, and they want Reigns to get the rub from beating Lesnar, taking the championship, and beating the guy that beat the guy in 21-1 and at WrestleMania this past year. But if they can't come to a new deal, then I think WWE is probably going to have to play the smart hand, take the championship off Lesnar, give it to Cena, even though most people don't want that, because that means Cena beat the guy who beat the guy. And that's another notch on his rather crowded belt he doesn't need. And he also doesn't need to be tied with Ric Flair, arguably one of the greatest of all time, for most championship reigns. But at the same time, that could also give Roman Reigns more credibility as time goes on in his run as WWE champion if he were to defeat John Cena at WrestleMania. So that's my theory on what took place last night. And just, by the way, WWE is advertising this match at the Royal Rumble and what we could see going forward with, the, with, with potentially the three of them. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, and I do, I, I think that's what we're leading towards. I mean, I think that you're going to have uh, almost a setup, a, a vibe, you know, face versus face, uh, almost, uh, you know, in, in a in a interesting way, almost kind of a, you know, Hogan versus Warrior kind of vibe. Uh, I agree with you. I think we're going to see it passing the torch. I, I think that's what they're leading towards. If we're going to start looking at... Um, Next year, I, I think that's what we're looking at. Unless the, something you, changes in a hurry. So you don't. Uh, think, so you don't think it's going to be the rumored match with Lesnar and Reigns that's been talked about for a while now? I don't. I, I think that's that's you know the way things are, are seem to be playing out and, and all the stuff we're hearing uh, with Lesnar's contract. Uh, I, I mean, the with, with John Cena and and who John Cena is, and, and let's let's face it. Uh, John Cena is the guy that in WWE, whether you agree with it or not, and and I'm not saying I do. Now, he's going to have some serious stats on his resume, but John Cena is, is going to have stats that are going to put him in, in rarefied air. And the, to me, the WWE wants to market John Cena as the greatest of all time. Um, or and if not the greatest, on a very very short list. That's what they want from John Cena, and I, I think at this point in time, if they're going to, if they're going to go forward with that that championship match at the Royal Rumble, there's no way John Cena loses that match. There's absolutely no way Cena loses again to Lesnar. It, it just it it can't happen. He's he's their guy. He's their their crown jewel. He's he's. The, the the bees knees the, the 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 butter to the WWE's bread whatever whatever analogy or expression or metaphor you want to use um, so unless something screwy happens between now and then which again it's pro wrestling uh, you know there, there could be a contract on the line there could, something can happen I get that um, but I think they're leading towards right now that John Cena is beating Lesnar at the Rumble and you know maybe we there's a a change at some point before WrestleMania, but I, I kind of could see Cena beating Lesnar, Reigns winning the Rumble, and maybe having a confrontation at the end of uh, uh, the Rumble. But I, I kind of think that's that's what they're leading towards. And, and I can't, you know, Dave, honestly, I can't say that uh, 
I'm necessarily happy with that. I, I think the story as far as putting, uh, you know, Reigns over, I, I think it works better for him to beat Lesnar. But I, I think that's what we're going to see. I think we're we're heading towards Reigns versus Cena at, at WrestleMania as we look forward to, to the future. If you were, I'm curious for you, if you were a betting man, which what do you think you're going to see next year? I, I kind of have to tend to agree with you. Um, just by what we've been hearing and the way that things have kind of portrayed on WWE television as of late, I, I would kind of have to agree with you. Which brings me now to one of the top five stories this year in 2014. We've just spoken about it, but we can speak about it a little bit more at length. The streak, 21-1. and one. It was at WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans, Louisiana, in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, where Brock Lesnar defeated The Undertaker and ended his storied WrestleMania streak. Now, you and I, Ken, were both in attendance at WrestleMania, and we talked about it on this show, how shocking it was. A day that nobody saw coming. Nobody predicted in their right mind that Brock Lesnar would have been the guy to end the streak. I mean, it was so shocking. There were people in my section, in my row, getting up, cursing, leaving the stadium before the main event even started. So the question that I'd like to ask is, what does this huge moment mean to WWE and their storyline? Where's the payoff from all of this? When and where? And what effect does the aftermath of the streak have on WWE storylines going forward? And all like very, uh, you know, pivotal questions and, 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 and thought provoking. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. And, and being in that, that arena, um, look, I, I've been, you know, I, I've been at Met games where the Mets have, have blown it late. Uh, you know, I've been at, at, at those games where, you know, you just in sporting events, things like that. Um, I have never, ever been a part of something where you could feel the air get sucked out of an arena uh, like it was when, when Taker lost. Um, and anybody, I, you, could, you could debate till, till the cows come home. Anybody out there wants to tell me that Taker losing did not affect the main event, did not affect Daniel Bryan's moment, did not affect the crowd's response to it, you don't know what you're talking about. It did. Look, the crowd got loud. It was a cool moment at the end. But I will tell you right now, being there live, that the crowd probably would have been ten times louder if not for, for that moment. It literally, I mean, it was a proverbial punch in the gut uh, for wrestling fans. Um, coming out of that, uh, and, and it's one of those things, I think as a wrestling fan, as a fan of anything, you have to kind of, on, on some levels, you gotta, you got to, you have the things you want to see happen. But you can't necessarily sit there and say, well, that's bad because it's not what I wanted. You kind of have to pull yourself back, check your ego, and say, all right, you know, because I'm one of those people that, that wanted Taker to retire undefeated. That's what I wanted. Um, now, because what I wanted didn't happen, I had to kind of pull myself back a little bit and say, all right, well, it, it, could this be a good thing? Um, I hate that Triple H has used this. I mean, could it be best for business? In, in the truest sense, not in a catchphrase sort of way. And oh. Here's here's like my take on on it, and and my problem with it now being months removed from that moment, and arguably maybe the biggest story in wrestling uh, over the course of the year. 
Um, I, I thought you had potential to build an absolute monster out of, out of uh, uh, Brock Lesnar coming out of it. Obviously, the most vilified guy in professional wrestling coming out of that. I don't know if we quite achieved that, um, especially with his part-time schedule. Um, you know, to, to take advantage of that, that hatred and that heat, you'd have to see him more often. So you weren't able to use that. Um, I, I thought that potentially you could have created um, one of the greatest managers ever in Paul Heyman, uh, perhaps give him a stable as, uh, you, know, the, you know, the next night we see that he's going to manage Cesaro. Um, that didn't happen. So, uh, you know, right after WrestleMania, I tried to, to think that, like, all right, maybe this could be good. Maybe they're going to use it um, to, to create some things. Uh, you know, even, like, you know, all this speculation, uh, you know, with Paul Heyman. I thought they were going to build and build Paul Heyman off of this. I, for me, it didn't quite get there. So, uh, in the end, as much as I could see creatively where uh, they, they perhaps wanted to go with, with ending this streak. I For something that historic, I don't think it lived up to uh, what it should have meant going forward post the streak ending. You know, it, this is a subject that, you know, can go in a lot of different directions. And, you know, my gut instinct when it happened was, no, not him. Like, what does he need to gain from all of this by doing it? But then, I, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You, you separate yourself from the moment for a few. Yes, it's shocking. Yes, you know, you, like you said, it sucked the air right out of the building. You could There were 75,000 people in that stadium, and you could hear a goddamn pin drop. That's how quiet it was. And you separate yourself from all of that, and you go back, and you, in, in, in retrospect, you think to yourself, all right, the match wasn't promoted like it normally would have been an Undertaker WrestleMania match would have been okay. It, it didn't get as much hype leading into the pay per view, and you look on you know looking at it, especially Undertaker's return. I mean, you you saw him face to face next to Brock Lesnar, and we talked about it on the show earlier this year. Ken Undertaker looked like he was sick, he was dying, like he had cancer, like terminal cancer, like he could have dropped any second. And he's standing next to Brock Lesnar, who is a, a human wrecking machine, figuratively and literally. There is no way, realistically, that the Undertaker character that has, over the years, in these matches with the streak on the line, has been humanized in some, some way, shape, or form. Realistically, could he beat a guy like Brock Lesnar? So you go back and you look and you think about it, and it's like, well, in that sense, it does make kind of sense that he was the one to end it because he's just the baddest guy around and he doesn't care what anybody thinks and he does what he wants when he wants and, you know, that's that. It's Brock Lesnar. So the streak has always... There's one instance there. Then the other instances you can talk about how the streak could have been a way to elevate a younger guy. Give it to somebody that, you know, needs that to start his rocket ship towards the main event or, you know, into superstar status in WWE for the next decade or so. Somebody like a Roman Reigns, uh, was even, his name was even thrown out, but, you know, before, to be the one to possibly end the streak. But then you run that risk of if that guy, you know, he gets the rocket ship and he fails, and you look back and you're like, 
we gave the streak to him. And then you, like you said, retire undefeated. Go out like go out like a winner. He he deserves it. So there are so many arguments you could make with all this. What I was kind of hoping and expecting was I was kind of hoping that we'd see some sporadic appearances from Lesnar. I wasn't expecting a weekly a weekly deal from him or a monthly pay per view you know appearances from him. But I was expecting more. I was expecting him to win the title, and he did. Um, I think the story. I mean, the, the way it was booked against John Cena at SummerSlam was great because it, it really promoted his um, his his uh, you know his, his personality, his carnivore you know man eating personality that that is Brock Lesnar. However, you know Lesnar. They put him in this position with Cena, and yes, it was great, but it would have been done much better if it was with Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan got hurt, and things had to change. And I just feel like now, like we just talked about, about how if Lesnar doesn't have this contract in place, there's a chance they might get rid of the the championship off of him. In some instances, Cena makes sense, but in the other instance, it's like Cena doesn't need that either. Cena does not need that either, and you would think that, Yes, they gave it to a part-time guy, but the person that beats the guy that beat the guy that had the streak would benefit. And now I feel like that there might not be Reigns might not benefit from it if he doesn't beat Lesnar. If if Cena wins, what's he going to benefit from? Like seriously, he's done it all in in wrestling and in WWE. What's he going to benefit? I just don't. I I think there was still a chance. For somebody to come out of this, you know, being a star like a Roman Reigns, but they—they, they, I don't know. It's—it's it's hard to explain. It, it really is. But I think it's the biggest story in wrestling, and I think that it's one of those things that um, is is very controversial, very much talked about, and something that you know, wrestling fans can sink their teeth into as far as like creative directions on what to do with Lesnar and him owning that streak. And like I said, somebody needs to benefit from this because it's such a huge thing. It was bigger than some of even the title matches over the years. And, and to, to get given to a part-time guy, and now he might not stay again. He, he, might, he might go back to MMA. It's like you just gave something so important to him. You know, It should be just somebody who's going to stick with you through the long haul. And that, and that's just it. That's where you know, uh, again, like I fell on on that that side of the fence where retire undefeated, had to pull myself out of it, you know. And for me, right now as a fan, the the payoff has not been there. And for something that prestigious, it, it just hasn't gotten there. And we'll see what happens. That's an excellent point, Dave. I mean, all right, so John Cena beat the one in twenty one and one, you know, and you know, I just big I, deal. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's just... Big deal. So, you know, so now we'll have Roman Reigns who will beat the one that beat the one who is a 21-1. and one. You know, it's... Uh, I agree with you. It, but it is, like you said, another notch in John Cena's belt. So, uh, again, for us as a fan, as fans, creatively, I'm right there with you. It does nothing to build uh, anybody. It does nothing really to help anybody. However, if the WWE's motivation... Uh, for some reason, is to really put Cena in that category of being the best of all time, then it's a, a, another notch in his belt. And uh, again, I'm, I, we, and if it's the first time you're listening to the show, 
not seeing a haters on this show, but we, we call it as we see it. We call it down the middle, and right now, uh, if that's the way, and if I'm a betting man, that's the way I see it going, and uh, I don't know. It doesn't just doesn't excite me creatively. As we move forward into our show and our retrospective, our, our end-of-year spectacular, um, one of the things we're going to do tonight is we're going to give out uh, an award for Wrestler of the Year, and throughout the show we're going to discuss uh, the nominees uh, kind of like the Oscars do. So we're not going to just read them off at the end of the show and give the award. For that award, we're going to discuss throughout the, the program uh, the kind of year that, that each one of these guys have had. Um, but, you know, one of the things to me is intriguing. As we look at Wrestler of the Year, uh, the, we, we came up, you know, a, a really thorough approach as, as uh, so many machinations and, and computations on, on who should be nominated and, and, and really just uh, went to, to a, a board and then, and then a committee and, uh, you know, back to a governing body. And we finally came up with, uh, you know, the, the five nominees you see on the ballot. Um, what, what to me is one of the big stories uh, in our ballot, and I think our ballot is, is a solid ballot, a real solid ballot, um, but a major story uh, in reference to our ballot for Wrestler of the Year, and it's Wrestler of the Year, um, is who's not on the ballot, and and you know when you when you start the year on uh, you know where the WWE was, uh, you know if you were a betting man, uh, you'd bet money that clearly without question by the end of 2014, Daniel Bryan is going to be nominated for Wrestler of the Year. You know, hottest thing in wrestling by far. Uh, going into WrestleMania, holy cow, how the mighty have fallen. What a rough year coming out of WrestleMania for Daniel Bryan. So he does not even get nominated this year. And another guy that you'd probably think had a good chance at least at, at getting nominated this year did not get the nomination, but a CM Punk who walks away from the WWE early in 2014. Well, yeah, Daniel Bryan is one individual that you would have you would have bet the farm on that would, would would have been, you know, wrestler of the year considering the way that they were building him in from the end of 2013 going into 2014. CM Punk, on the other hand, um, I, ne- I didn't necessarily think he would have, I mean, he obviously would have had a shot at being wrestler of the year, but um, considering the, the, the huge news that he, uh, you know, the, the, that he dropped in the wrestling world um, in 2014, I, I his him being wrestler of the year would probably be for more of his antics outside of the ring than inside of the ring. And you want to talk about wrestler of the year here on the Ken Reedy show. You know, we just mentioned him, Brock Lesnar. I mean, the year that he had, he ended the streak. He became the WWE world heavyweight champion and he took time off. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he's had quite the 2014 in WWE and yet he's still, you know, for being, for not being around as much, that one thing that he did by ending the streak like, definitely puts him up there because, like I said, nobody saw it coming. Nobody did. And to me, that's why I think he, de- he deserves a nomination for being wrestler of the year. Everything else he did, even though he didn't do much, wouldn't warrant it. But the one thing that he did, he got everybody talking. He got everybody talking. Him and Paul Heyman and what they did with that streak, defeating Undertaker at WrestleMania, that was like, one of the one of the most the truly most shocking moments in wrestling in, in the past you know few years you know we've watched this a lot and and our listeners I'm sure are diehard you can call something a mile away sometimes 
Nobody could call that. I mean, the, the, the way that it was produced at the end with the, the facial expressions from everybody, nobody saw it coming. Nobody did. And I truly believe that that one moment is the reason why Brock Lesnar has been nominated to be wrestler of the year. Now, getting back to CM Punk, well, CM Punk certainly made a huge impact, no pun intended, in the wrestling world in 2014, and he was hardly around WWE television. You could say CM Punk bookended 2014 with two huge stories. January of 2014, CM Punk walks out of WWE the day after the 2014 Royal Rumble event. Speculation of burnout, creative differences with management, and injuries piling up were potential reasons for his walkout. But just over a month ago, Punk finally broke his silence on his friend Colt Cabana's Art of Wrestling podcast, revealing what many believed were his reasons for leaving. Mistreatment by management, injuries, creative handcuffing. Did he forget to talk about money? Nope, didn't. And we've dissected that issue on the show before, so that won't be discussed further. But what we will discuss tonight is Punk's walkout and his announcement of joining MMA juggernaut the UFC, which took place just a few weeks ago. What is the long-term effect it had on WWE and the talent in 2014, and what effect could it have in wrestling, and particularly in WWE, going forward? Are you there, Dave? Are you there? There Yes, I'm here. You disappeared for a second there. I don't know. You were just gone for a minute there. where Where did we leave off of? Uh, you were you were talking about uh, CM Punk and the, and the news he made. He bookended the year. Okay, bookended the year with two huge announcements or two huge stories. He walked out of WWE in January of 2014, citing creative differences, burnout, injuries piling up, mis, you know, mistreatment by management, and then he ended the year with announcing that he's joining, you know, MMA juggernaut UFC. The question here is is that what kind of effect did that have in 2014 on WWE, on the talent in WWE going forward, as well as what kind of effect could it have on, you know, superstars and wrestlers in WWE that are facing similar situations that he went through and how WWE could handle that, you know, a potential situation like that from not escalating the way it did with Punk going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty amazing, you know, when you look at a guy like Punk and, you know, again, a guy that would be nominated for uh, Wrestler of the Year like most years. And, uh, you know, can't and, and, you know, when you when you heard all the stories about him and the way he walked out and, and all the rumors, uh, he's bitter, he's uh, banged up, you know, and then you hear the, you know, fast forward towards the end of the year and, uh, you know, he's on the podcast talking about being banged up, so... As a fan, you kind of get that confirmation that, uh, you know, he was injured, uh, bad knees, in- rib injuries, uh, a horrible story with a staph infection. So, all right, yeah, he definitely needed a rest. And then all of a sudden he's going to MMA. So uh, a lot of interesting stuff over the course of the year from uh, CM Punk. Uh, definitely a very uh, intriguing story and definitely one of the biggest stories of the year. And it remains to be seen what he's able to do in the world of, of MMA. But look, let's let's get into, you know, the guys who were nominated. And since we, we've kind of hit upon it a lot and you touched on it, Brock Lesnar, one of the nominees for Wrestler of the Year, interesting that, you know, he no, he's nominated and, uh, you know, as a part-time guy, gets uh, he wins the title, breaks the streak. 
Um, had probably the most dominating, if, if not the most, one of the most dominating title matches in the history of wrestling at SummerSlam against one John Cena. Um, so he's definitely been a guy, as much as he's been part-time, he's been uh, in the forefront of, of WWE storytelling. He's, uh, he's an important figure in the landscape of, of the WWE. I have been critical of him being uh, a little too part-time. Uh, but definitely when you look at the resume of 2014, uh, it would be very difficult, even even being part-time, it would be very difficult to keep Brock Lesnar off the ballot. Therefore, he is on a deserved nomination for Brock Lesnar Wrestler of the Year, Dave. Absolutely. Like I said earlier, he broke the streak. He won the title. He was in, wasn't on TV as much, but he was on TV enough to make a big enough impact where people still talk about him and clamor for him to come back. So. Definitely a deserved nomination, like I'd mentioned earlier. So good stuff out of there. So we went through Brock Lesnar, one of the nominees, Wrestler of the Year. Let's go out to the phones right now. As we just feel a bit on hold for a little bit, let's get him on. We got Mike is on the line. Mike, how you doing this evening? Good, guys. How you doing? Doing all right. What do you got for us? All right. Last night's pay-per-view, I went six and three. So, so it was Congratulations. Congratulations. It was a big night for me last night. I was excited. Did you win money um, at least? No, no. I just won the rights to uh, to say I know what I'm talking about when it comes to professional wrestling. I've been a fan since I'm a little boy and uh, followed it and uh, just just did the thing. But I tell you, we're on the road to the Royal Rumble. The road to Royal Rumble starts tonight. We're ready. We take 95 and we hit. We go over the Wall Women Bridge and. We're going to Philadelphia. I can't wait. I mean, Brock you know, Les- good. I, you Brock know, I-, Les- I was going to say Brock Lesnar versus John Cena. This is going to be a big deal. John Cena is a great, and I say this for all those in, in those guys out there that bash John Cena. He's a great wrestler. He's a great guy, and going up against Brock Lesnar. It's going to be a tough situation, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Go ahead, Ken. I, I wanted to get back to TLC for a second. Uh, you had said, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you also agree that match of the night was Ziggler versus Harper? Of course, of course. You know, being being a, you know, being that I know Harper, Brody Lee, I know him very well, and I know the guy and the way he wrestles, he wrestled really good. And uh, Ziggler, you know, Great guy, great charisma. My only problem is this. Now you give Dolph Ziggler the, the, the belt back. You know what they should do? They should keep it, let him keep it for a little bit and, and have him win and, and defend it. And, you know, I would, I would love to see Harper versus Dolph Ziggler at the uh, holiday tour in uh, Long Island because I'm going to be going to that. So I hope that's one of the... Uh, the matches that they're going to have because I'll definitely uh, I want to see it again I would love to see it Uh, definitely you know those two guys have a a lot of in-ring chemistry so yeah I mean I I said I hope there's uh, hope they wrestle tonight I hope uh, you know we see uh, Luke Harper cashing in his rematch clause and uh, we see another match tonight but I I thoroughly enjoyed that match I'm curious how about that how about that in 2014, Mike, what, what would you think the biggest story was this year? Whew, the big, there were so many good ones, too. Ah, oh, man. 
Uh, I'm trying to think. The biggest story would probably be CM Punk leaving the WWE. I mean, the the Brock Lesnar thing with the streak, yeah, it was big. And, you know, people still talk about it, but everybody I know says, where's Punk? Everybody I know says Punk left, you know, and they're, and they're still talking about Punk. So I'm going to have to say that's the biggest story. But I'm also going to say Jeff Hardy who? Man, let me tell you something. Um, Dean Ambrose, he... he 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 surpassed Jeff Hardy. Everybody was like, "Wow, this guy is unbelievable." He was just going after ladder after ladder. He was br- he was bringing the ladder. He was going for the tallest ladder uh, he could find. I mean, come on, this is crazy. I got so, I, yeah, no, I got to disagree with you on that, Mike. Yeah, that's a I, big I mean, it was a, it was a good entertaining match, but it's uh, yeah, no, Jeff, Jeff's still. Uh, Dean Ambrose has got a long way to go to be topping Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy who? Come on, man. Jeff Hardy who? You know, I, I, my, my camp was telling me, my, my group, my organization was telling me about Jeff What's Hardy. What's your organization called, by the way? People that worship me. That's what oh. they're called. The people that worship me. They worship the sign guy. They worship every everything about me. You they love them? me. They just... Do I pay them? No, they pay me. Well, they should. You should be paying them if they're worshiping you. I I don't pay people for worshiping me. I actually praise them for worshiping me. It just sounds more like a cult than a, than, a, than a camp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is this is the this is one of the greatest nights. This is a party, right? This is a celebration. You it know, is a celebration. Everybody, one somebody asked me the other day. In in in, in your pri- in in your in your prime, if there was one match that you didn't see or you had to see, who would it be? And then this guy said, "Well, you know, I missed out on seeing the Hardy Boys. I got to see the Hardy Boys on every Madison Square Garden show that they were in, and then I got to see them against Edge and Christian and the Dudley Boys, and I got to you know, I got to see them in ladder matches, table matches. So for for me, not not getting to see." Hulk Hogan in his prime, um, got, you know that's that that's the only one for me. I you know not to get to see Hulk Hogan when he was at the Garden. I got to see him later in life when he took on the Undertaker when he returned. But uh, for me, that's only one um, one thing I gotta say. I mean, I got to see Bret Hart in his prime, Stone Cold Steve Austin in his prime. I got to see the big ones and. Uh, you know, and I'm still going to see them. I mean, I got two things coming up, and I got the rumble. I thought, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that, uh, you know, going, for, going forward, Mike, I'm curious. Like, you know, as we go into 2015, um, you know, where, where do you think, where do you think the, the the business is going? I mean, do you think? I mean, you, you talked about Cena and Lesnar. You're looking forward to that matchup. It's, it's to, for me, at least a fan. It's, it's, it's been done. They're, they're doing it again. Um, are you, are you excited for 2015? You know, it's been done. You're right. Okay, but you know, but you, it's, it's, it's like a movie that's been done and remade. You have to see how it's going to turn out. And I get your, I get your point. I, I, you know, you know, Lesnar and 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 John Cena again. I, it's been done, but what happens though if John Cena wins, and then there's a cash in? I mean, remember Seth Rollins still has the money in the bank, 
So we could see a cash in or something. I mean, this could be this could be a big night. This could be big. Oh, by the way, one more thing about TLC that I didn't like. Whoever makes Nikki Bella's outfits, can she please stop wrestling with them in the ring? I mean, come on. Every time she was on the floor, she was hiking up her, her pants. Every time she was hiking up her, her, her outfit. I mean, come on, Nikki. Either do something with it. I, you know, I was hoping to get something out of it last night, but she was pulling up her, her stuff. All right, going to your question. Yeah. What am I looking forward to, 2015? I'm looking forward to seeing... You didn't seeing... even ask that question. Oh, what, what was the question that you asked? I don't remember, to be honest with you, because this call's been the, probably the best one you've had of all of 2014, but continue. No, I've had better calls than this. This is nothing. Um, You said, I think that's what you said, right? What are you looking forward to as a fan, didn't you? Yes, yeah, 2015. Okay. I'm looking forward to hard-hitting action. I want to see more action. I want to see more stars come out of NXT. I want to see. I want to see everything that's that's possible. I want to see more championship reigns. I want to see um, just just give me some wrestling. You know, like last night we had good wrestling between Dean Ambrose and and uh, Bray Wyatt. You hit Bray, he came back. You punched him, he came back. So. I want to see more action and and less less talk, more action, and I want to get the value for my buck. Well, you know, Mike, I think I think we are going to you know see that heading into 2015. And you know, I, I personally want to thank you for being a big supporter of the show. I know I bust your ass a lot and deservedly so, but uh, you know we're gonna, we got to get into the next story here. Thank you for calling. Thank you for being a part of this experience, and thank you for celebrating the year in review in. Uh, in 20, 2014, heading into 2015. And uh, if we don't hear from you, Merry Christmas and a happy holidays to you. Oh, thank you. And I, I'm definitely uh, going to support you guys. And, uh, you know, and, and yes, you do bust my ass, but yes, I deserve it because I'm a smart guy. So it, it, it just works out that way. And, uh, Ken, Merry Christmas to you. Michelle, Merry Christmas to you. Dave, you got it. You and Nicole, Merry Christmas. Have a nice Christmas. And let's do this thing in 2015. I can't wait. When are you guys yeah. going to be on the air again? Uh, we'll be back actually January 12th. We'll be back. A little, well, a short hiatus. We'll be back January 12th. Mike, so thanks I again. Can't, I can't wait. You got it, guys. Thank you very much. Have a great holiday season. Take it easy, buddy. And there you go. Wow. Can you believe it? The, the last the last drive down, down the last ride on the crazy train, if you will. Last call from Mike Ferrara. Uh, you know, again, he's got he's got his camp. Uh, as I said earlier, it, it sounds uh, getting a little Bray Wyattish. Like <laughs> yeah, a little cultish, perhaps. So, uh, if you're part of Mike's group, uh, I, I suggest not drinking the Kool Aid. But you know, to each his own. Uh, at some point, we're going to have to hang with with Mike's camp. Um, but anyway, let's. You know what? We haven't done one yet. Let's get into uh, some of the awards. Some of the awards that are were decided upon before tonight's telecast. Um, and, and looking down the list here, um, I'd like to go with mark out moment of the year. And, um, this mark out moment, you know, it's one of those things that, and you may have seen the video that was on Facebook, uh, as if Dave, it, it wasn't enough, uh, you know, whatever mark out moment of the year, the rock stone cold Hulk Hogan together in the ring at WrestleMania 30, 
That gets the award for Markout Moment of the Year. And I don't know if you could even make a case for anything else at all, anywhere, being a bigger Markout Moment. Uh, I was a giddy child when Hogan came out. It just, I mean, it was such a cool moment being in that arena when those three guys were in the ring together. And Dave, it, it's like like going to that moment was this this uh, journey. I felt like we were both on where, you know, the the uh, you know we heard about Hogan's uh, contract status, and uh, you know we we heard uh, you know oh he might be leaving TNA, and then it, it was pure speculation on our part, just being eh, next year's WrestleMania 30, like what? Nah, Hogan will never be there. No, no, no chance Hogan will be there. And then. You know, the rumbling started, and then you start hearing stories, and then the dirt sheets are picking up on things, and then, lo and behold, we get Hogan back in the fold, add Rock and Austin to the mix, and uh, one of the, sing- not only for this year, but one of the greatest, like, moments ever in pro wrestling, just a, just an all-around, 100% markout moment this year at WrestleMania 30, so that gets the award. Amazing time, Dave. I will go one better. There was not another moment that could top that, go even near that. There wasn't even second place. Everything else in wrestling, as far as mark-out moments go, all were tied for second place because, you know, you like you said, the story that the stories that built towards the rumors of Hogan, I never thought I'd see Hulk Hogan live again, and that's what I grew up on. I grew up on Hulkamania. And so when he was hosting a milestone WrestleMania, I was like, this is going to be cool. And he comes out, and, you know, I was like a child, too. You know, granted, I didn't embarrass myself with a video on Facebook like you did, but I had that moment, too, as well. This one was in private with 74,000 other people, but it was in private, not on social media, and I couldn't, I couldn't wait. He came out and talked, and, you know, then you had Austin come out and rock, and it was just... There, it was. I'll phrase it like this: that moment when the three of them stood in that ring and they reminisced, but at the same time they also passed the torch to the future of WWE to kick ass at WrestleMania in the future in the next 30 years. That moment was cool as shit. Hogan, Rock, Austin, three guys who are arguably in the top five of greatest of all time in wrestling. It was. It was something I never thought I would see, and I was so privileged and honored and glad to be in that stadium during that moment. It was just unreal. I didn't think anything like that was ever going to happen. And speaking yeah. of the future, may I discuss you may, you another may. story of Give 2014? Alright. The day was April the 7th, 2014. The day after WrestleMania 30. And that was the day that Jeff Jarrett announced to the world that Global Force Wrestling would be premiering and would be the true pro wrestling alternative to WWE and TNA. Since that announcement, AAA, Lucha Underground, and New Japan Pro Wrestling have followed suit by getting their feet wet in the mainstream pro wrestling landscape in the United States here in 2014. Despite not debuting on television or revealing a roster, Global Force Wrestling has slowly made noise in the industry by forming international partnerships, two of those names mentioned before with AAA and New Japan Pro Wrestling, and don't forget about Ring of Honor. Their television product has grown steadily and helped them maintain their place as a serious player in the wrestling business. A couple of questions here, though. What can we expect from Global Force Wrestling in 2015, knowing 
that they are going to be distributing New Japan Pro Wrestling's first American pay-per-view on January 4th, 2015. And the other question is, how can all these other entities that I've mentioned before make a bigger splash in 2015? Yeah, I mean, it's something that, like, you know, I think the vibe in 2014 was really that the landscape in pro wrestling is changing. And there's so many vehicles to get your product out there. Now, you know, not to say that any of these products are going to rival the WWE, but uh, there's slowly becoming more options out there for a wrestling fan and more options, uh, you know, more accessible options. You don't have to, like, search all over the place to watch them. That uh, Between the the different things, streaming online and and on your television now, the Hulu, like, all that stuff, um, you know, you you have accessibility. And, you know, Global Force is, is, I find, very intriguing that, you know, the, the, the business model to me, and, and we'll see what happens, but it almost looks like Jared is kind of uh, taking an, an, an up-to-date uh, version of the NWA that he's going to be uh, kind of bringing other promotions into the fold, into to one big organization, and uh, to, to get JR into the mix uh, is, is something phenomenal. So it, it's, you know... I think by the time we're we're talking about uh, when we're doing this show next year, we're doing our retrospect on 2015. I think the landscape uh, of pro wrestling is going to be very different. Not that anyone's really going to be challenging the WWE, but I think you're going to have very rabid fans of of a lot of different promotions out there. It's uh, almost a renaissance, almost uh, if you will. We're going to see uh, and. and real up-to-date version of the territory system as the as the indie scene continues to increase their accessibility across the board. Exciting times to be a wrestling fan. Absolutely. You know, you make a great uh, analysis there that Global Force might be doing, and it's just speculation, of course, but by the way that they have portrayed their business model in 2014 and, and updated the fans and the audience of their progression as a company, it does come across like it's, a, it's an updated a newer version of the NWA. Now, some of these other promotions that I've mentioned, you know, I mentioned AAA, Lucha Underground. Both of those promotions are are are, are one and the same. Um, you know, members of AAA work for Lucha Underground, and a lot of the Lucha Underground stars also work for AAA. I, I'm not 100% correct. I may have to do more research on this, but I believe that AAA is a part, it helps fund the Lucha Underground and, and helps in, that was the avenue and the platform to get AAA on American television and American pay-per-view. Um, and it just so happens AAA is one of those groups that is partnering with Global Force Wrestling. Another one, like I said, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Global Force is going to produce and distribute their pay-per-view here in the United States on the 4th of January. That's another group that they partnered with, too, as well. And uh, on that very card our Ring of Honor talent, Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship is going to be put on the line. Um, so it seems like to me that it, this does come across like a, a, a very NWA-like formation for Global Force Wrestling, truly a global force in professional wrestling with Japan and Mexico. And they've made other business partnerships with European independent promotions as well. And it ties into the independent wrestling scene now. I mean, the independent wrestling scene is loaded with talent. 
and it's not just newer guys too, but it's some guys that had been cut from WWE that hadn't gotten their opportunity to really show what they're all about. Guys like Drew McIntyre, for instance, who now is having a great run on the independent scene, you know, going by his real name, Drew Galloway. And the, the former Alberto Del Rio, he's been announced that he's going to make appearances in Ring of Honor in 2015. He's got a deal possibly with Lucha Underground. That's two wrestling promotions that are on television, that are on television, that he's carving out a niche for himself and truly um, going by what wrestling, what wrestlers are as independent contractors. Which brings me, Ken, to another award that I'll let you take over and, and hand out. Independent Wrestler of the Year. Yeah, you know, we we took a little different take on this uh, going into Independent Wrestler of the Year. Um, you know, because every so often in, in, in all walks of life, you have uh, someone that kind of uh, is a pioneer and, and flips the script uh, to a certain extent. And, and not that, look, no shame in, in being an, an independent wrestler. You know, you're following your dream. But there is... There's always been a negative connotation, oh, you're an indie guy, you know, and, you know, indie guys, you know, deserve all the respect in the world. But there's one guy this year that I think has really changed things up a bit on, on the independent scene. And really, as we look, and that's the running theme coming out of 2014, the winds of change. Uh, the landscape of pro wrestling is changing. Things are, over the next five years, uh, to me, I, things are going to be much different uh, than we're used to seeing right now. And Independent Wrestler of the Year, this year, 2014 end-of-year awards, that award goes to none other than Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy is the Independent Wrestler of the Year. And I will say this, the reason why he's getting the award is not just because of the matches he's put on, not because of the, the in-ring performance and, and not just because of his promo work, which I, I think has all been very good over the course of this year. But what Matt Hardy has done over the course of this year, he's flipped the script. He's changed the landscape. He's embraced YouTube and, and social media to get his promo work out there, to get his name out there, to get his appearances out there. He embraces all of social media, and he's really where where the term independent wrestler um, may have had a certain connotation to certain fans and and certain people in society for quite some time. He is taking the term independent, and and really embraced that whole idea of an independent contractor. Really thrust that independent contractor vibe, and he has gone out there and he's put it out there that he's made more money this year than he ever did in the WWE. He's been business savvy on the independent scene. And what he's done is really flip things around where, you know, you could go and make a very, very lucrative living coming out of the WWE or TNA or any place else as an independent wrestler. If you're going to have to travel all over the place for the WWE, why not do it and create your own schedule? Um, I, I kind of compare what Matt Hardy's done in wrestling to what the artist Prince did in music, where when Prince got out of his contract with Warner Brothers um, and, and there was a big fight and everyone remembers that fight for him, you know, he decided he didn't need a record label anymore. And whereas he doesn't sell as much, you know, as many albums as he may have used to, um, 
you know, it's something ridiculous where with his stats, you know, he might not sell as many albums, but where artists signed to to a major label may be making, you know, 50 cents for every $10 that are sold, Prince is making like eight for every 10. So, you know, Prince has said, you know, I have a name, I can market myself, I don't need you, I'm going to go do that. And I think Matt Hardy has kind of changed the business of wrestling and it would not shock me at all to see more and more people start to follow Matt Hardy's business model. Uh, I, I think it's phenomenal what he's done, uh, the way he's flipped the script. It's something very different, very business savvy. And uh, it's, it's much different in the way we've, award, we've given this award out in the past. But I, I don't think it's, it's, it's any exaggeration to say that Matt Hardy has kind of changed the business. So... 2014 Independent Wrestler of the Year, Matt Hardy, Dave. You know, it, it, it's it, it, like you said, he, in the truest sense of the word, independent wrestler, independent contractor, Matt Hardy has taken full advantage of that, especially in 2014. For example, he was a mainstay and, in my opinion, rejuvenated his career on Ring of Honor television with the, some of the stuff that he did, the promos that he cut, how he was portrayed. He played a great heel being a, a WWE superstar in a, in a ring of honor world. Um, and then, you know, he had that run there and he didn't tie himself down completely to ring of honor. He, he, he worked it in his terms and then moved on to t- reuniting with his brother, Jeff and TNA and having some of the great tag team matches um, with the wolves, with team 3d and, and being a, 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 a main fixture in TNA storylines for the second half of 2014. And then on, on the independent scene itself, he, him and his brother did a reunion tour of sorts. And for the first time on independent, in independent wrestling, not on television, this wasn't booked for a pay-per-view. This wasn't booked for TV. It was Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy facing the young bucks, which is a tag team wrestling dream match nowadays. The Young Bucks are seen as a modern-day version of the Hardys, and of course the Hardys are, you know, who they are. They made their name on, you know, ladder matches and the death-defying moves and their style and their look and everything, and the Young Bucks are, are, are very similar in, in in that way to the Hardys. So that was something that they did on a couple of occasions for Northeast Wrestling here, um, as well as at House of Hardcore for, uh, you know, Tommy Dreamer's group, House of Hardcore as well. So he's He's done all of this, and he's, like you said, he's maintained making a really good living and not having to be tied down to, like you said, a WWE schedule. You could travel all over the world and work your ass off, but you could do it at your own schedule. But at the same time, this is also contingent on what kind of business and how much of a name you made while you're in WWE. With all due respect to certain talents out there, a guy like Kurt Hawkins, who was released recently, or a guy like a, a, a Jinder Mahal, I don't think they can exactly, you know, maintain and create a schedule like Matt Hardy has for themselves because I don't, you know, with all due respect to them, they didn't make a name for themselves like Matt Hardy did in his time in WWE. Matt Hardy was on WWE television for you know, over a decade. And, you know, the things that he did in that in that time period um, were some of the most revolutionizing stuff with the TLC matches and, you know, the, the, the extreme matches that he had with his brother and just how he rejuvenated tag team wrestling. These guys 
you know, some of these guys that come out of the WWE, it all depends on what mark you left. Like I mentioned earlier, Del Rio. Del Rio is kind of carving out, is helping carve out that niche and following in the footsteps of Matt Hardy. He's going to work for Ring of Honor, who has a television contract. And he's also going to work for Lucha Underground. And there's rumors that he might even work for TNA, um, you know, in, in 2015. So I think this is a future business model for guys on the independent scene as well as guys who are leaving the mainstream, whether it be WWE and TNA, and going to, you know, out on the independent scene and trying to make a living for themselves. I think this is a business model that a lot of wrestlers are going to follow heading into the future uh, of this industry. Yeah, I mean, for Matt to be able to make more money, I mean, have this most successful year financially ever, um, you're right. I mean, you need, you know, and similarly again with, with Prince. I mean, you needed the record label to make your name. Once you got it, though, you can branch out on your own. And Matt needed the WWE uh, to make a name. But once he got the name, he's been able to go out and make a very lucrative living. And, and, and I, I don't think it's an exaggeration. I think we're going to see more and more guys uh, doing that, if you're going to bust your ass for the WWE, why not just make your own schedule? And it should be interesting to see, uh, does this lead to the WWE, uh, you know, maybe softening a bit on their schedule? Uh, does WWE have difficulty keeping certain guys? Um, it remains to be seen, but I, I don't think it's an exaggeration that Matt Hart completely flipped the script there. 347 that is the number to call. Let's go out of the phones because... Uh, we got Tony online. He's been on hold for a while. Very patient. Thank you for your patience, Tony. How are you this evening? What do you got for us? All right, I'm doing okay. Thanks. Uh, oh yeah, I saw the TLC last night too, and I got to say, um, uh, I thought the uh, Ziggler Harper match, the opener, was was the best match on that on the show by a, by a lot. Uh, that was you know that was a great that was a great match. They really gave it the you know, they really. Uh, Went all out there, uh, you know. I mean, Ziggler. I mean, you know, he got busted open. That was kind of, kind of, kind of spooky. But you know, it was, uh, it was a really good match. I was, you know, kind of, kind of glad they put the belt back on Ziggler. You know, I was like, I mean, you know, the, I said it before, you know, but Ziggler was really a talented guy, and it's, you know, like you should, you know, it's, the guy really, hopefully, in 2015 will be, you know, get, will be uh, <laughs> booked to actually get a strong push. Um, but uh, as far as like. Comparing two shows, I thought the NXT show was was outstanding. Uh, the Adrian Neville, Sami Zayn, you know, they had all that, they had like a half hour or whatever it was to do to have their match and tell the story and everything, and it was just a, it was just a great match. You know, I mean, they, they had you know Sami Zayn finally win the title, and then you have Kevin Owens come out, you know, then him coming out and then turning heel right away on, on uh, Zayn was you know. It, I mean, yeah, it might have been a little rushed, but I thought it was. You know, it might have been a little rushed, but it's. Um, it should be good. It should be good for you because I've seen their matches. I've seen them in Ring of Honor a couple times, you know. So I've, you know, I'm, I, I know the, some of the backstory to the to the, you know, the tag team and the feud with those two. I mean, it's interesting because I, you know, I'm curious again, and we talked a lot last night about this. You know, sometimes with wrestling, it's a simplicity in storyline and storytelling, and as you. You know, as we go forward into 2015, you would expect that as time goes on, Triple H is going to get uh, more and more power. Uh, but there's a lot of speculation now that Vince McMahon really uh, really can exercise a lot of creative control on the main roster, whereas Triple H uh, is really kind of running things in NXT. And uh, you bring up a good point. I mean, that final great match, win the title, 
simple storytelling. Best friend turns on best friend, and, and now we're off and running. Um, as much as I really liked the Ambrose-Wyatt match, um, and, I, and I thought it was a really good match, it, it just kind of was... Like, do we need like like first off like like take me through this at least and maybe commentate maybe I'm missing something, but then you know maybe the commentators can at least help me as a fan to reconcile and make sense of the fact that there's a monitor connected underneath the ring. Now, may I'm I'm willing to accept the fact that I don't work in TV and maybe there is a legitimate reason for there to be a monitor under the ring that is running the pay-per-view, even though we've never seen it before ever in the history of wrestling, but last night it had to be there. But with no explanation, like, the, the finish they give us last night is is the, the TV blowing up and, and blinding Ambrose. I mean, that's that's what they're going to give us after, after a very exciting matchup. So I, I hear what you're saying. Like, NXT gave us, like, very simple, smart storytelling, whereas... As great a match as it was, I think a, a lot of us. I'm curious your thoughts on it. That, the, that final moment was a was a bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, it kind of was because it's like as soon as he go, like I see Ambrose going under the ring, and I'm like, and he pulled it out. I go, there's a monitor under the ring. It's like I mean we've seen everything get pulled out from under the ring, but in the past, you know, it's like you name it, it's been pulled, you know we've seen it underneath there, but it's like a freaking TV monitor, you know, it's and like, it's connected. It's not they just an extra monitor. It's connected. Yeah, that too. I mean, they even had Michael Cole and JBL say as to why it was there or hey. whatever. And, yeah, but it was just, it's like, yeah, a connect, yeah, connected monitor. And it was like, I thought that match was really good. I, I thought that there was a really good brawl. And then it's just like, you know, they have to, they have to give us that hokey finish to kind of, you know, like, and then like, break it the wind just because he, just because he pulled it, just because he unplugged, on the bump plugging the monitor and he. You know, he just sparked himself, and someone made reference. It was kind of like you know, when you, when uh, the cameraman burnt Hogan's eyes out of King of the Ring when Yokozuna was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same exact thing. Go ahead, Dave. You know, it's funny that you guys mentioned this, and I I I was kind of puzzled by the finish, but the 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 monitor thing, like nothing surprises me anymore. Do we all remember the time when DX had to go under the ring? to find Hornswoggle and ended up in Little People's Court. Do you remember that abortion of a segment? Unfortunately, I remember that, yes. Okay, so a TV monitor under the ring didn't really faze me as much as the the actual (laughs) explosion of it took place, especially after having to to witness that that atrocity a few years ago with Shawn Michaels and Triple H searching for Hornswoggle only to end up in Little People's Court that's underneath the ring. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, so it's like after that, it's kind of like nothing is really, uh, nothing is really off limits when it comes to uh, stu- stupid shock, stupid shock value, or whatever you want to call it, call it what you will. But it's yeah, yeah, that was, oh man, it, it, yeah, that was really cartoony. Yeah, that was cartoony. Um, you know, like, yeah, like I say, you know, it's like it was a good match. You know, it's like I don't know why. You know, it's like a lot of times in WWE or whatever. You know, it's like because they make movies and they tell stories like. Like Vince was saying on Austin's podcast a couple weeks ago, you know, it's like, oh, well, we make movies and all that kind of crap, you know, the same stuff he's always been spewing out for how many years. And it's just like, it's like, okay, yeah, we got a great match going here. Let's see if we can just get a little cutesy with the booking here and just do something, you know, do something like that. And it's, yeah, it kind of cheap, it kind of cheapens a really good, you know, it, it kind of cheapens the match a little bit because it's, you know, it's like you can have a great match, but if you have like a, you have like a weird finish, 
it, it can really like you know, it, it can really be a, a pinky traction. Well, I agree because I mean that what happens when you have a screwy finish like that is that that's what you wind up talking about. You know, you're not talking about the the other cool spots and, and Ambrose off the ladder. You're not you're not you're not talking about that. You're talking about the, the screwy finish, and that's and you're 100 percent right. You know, you have a great match with a screwy finish. A lot of times, uh, you know, that's what you wind up talking about. So it did detract a bit from the match. Uh, I, I was right there with you. Like as soon as I saw it happen, it totally reminded me of the uh, the cameraman burning Hogan. So. Uh, uh, interesting stuff. I'm curious, you know, before before I let you go, Tony, we I gotta get, you know, we were talking a little bit about the independent scene. I know you're big on the independent scene, uh, you know, and and obviously you watch WWE as well. So, you know, with everything involved in the world of pro wrestling, uh, are you optimistic about 2015? What are you looking forward to? What do you want to see as far as the landscape in, in pro wrestling going into the future? Uh as far as like next year, 2015 goes, um, I mean, I was I, I, I want to see Ring of Honor continue to have have great, you know, have have put out a great product because uh, I really think they're the you know, they're the best ones out there. Uh, I'm also looking for you know, like see, seeing what uh, Jeff Jarrett's going to do with the, uh, you know, as being at I think maybe him being you know, like him being a pay per view distributor for the international stuff like New Japan and AAA or whatever you know it's like if he if he go, if he like kind of does that you know like as the pay per view. Uh, provider for the you know like the international shows uh, here. I I think that might be better than just starting another promotion. You know, it's like maybe he can be he can be the guy who, you know, is the uh, like the, you know he can be the guy who is the distributor for the international shows here. Also, I've just found out that the, for the New Japan show, Wrestle Kingdom, Jim Ross's uh, announced partner will be Matt Stryker. Oh, that's so, awesome! <laughs> and that's he does, awesome. Uh, he does commentary with Vampiro on on uh, Lucha Underground, which is also a really uh, a really good product. I um I actually like that that show. You know, like they, that that they it's kind of it's kind of like a TV series. You know, it's like they they got great matches and they have like good backstage skits. In fact, I would actually say that that qualifies more sports entertainment than WWE does because it's like you actually a lot of it for the most part is separate. You get the, the action in the ring, you'll get your promos every now and then, and you get your backstage skits. And it, I think I think it's really well paced out. I really I really think they do a great job with it. You know, it's 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 really you know. I mean, if you want to call sports entertainment, that that's that's sports entertainment. Not the you know the sometimes cartoon stuff that WWE comes with, uh, gives us. But uh, you know, like I say, you know, I'm just looking forward to you know, like say the seeing you know like, to seeing these, these these promotions, you know, like Ring of Honor and you know Lucha Underground. I'm even interested to see where TNA is going to go now that they're going to be on this new channel. Uh, you know, it's, it should be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, so it's you know it's interesting, man, because it's just you know it's 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 such a big question mark, you know, looking at that the landscape of wrestling, and like you say, you know, with with the way technology is going, and and people, you know, have have the ability to watch this stuff on their TVs and streaming. I mean, there's going to be, you know, it's going to be weird even doing this show, like how to keep up with everything, you know, Lucha Underground, Global Force Wrestling. Uh, I, I like what you're you're saying. Like they become kind of a distributor for the international wrestling scene. Uh, obviously, the WWE, TNA, uh, ROH. You know, just all these things to to keep up and watch. And again, it's it's you know it, it's it's weird. It's almost like you know we talk about uh, you know competition breeds a better product. Um, and maybe it's not going to be like competition with the WWE with one single entity. That maybe there's not going to be a company like WCW that that rivals 
the WWE, but maybe it, it you know the the expanding wrestling scene uh, causes some competition for the WWE, and and maybe that's something that uh you know as the independent scene evolves into almost a, a updated 2015 uh, version of the territory system. Uh, very curious to see how this landscape plays itself out, Tony. Thank you for the call. Thank you for the support uh, over the years. Uh, have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and look forward to your phone calls in 2015. All right, everybody, you know, all of you, you know, everybody, you know, have a great Christmas or whatever holiday, you know, and hopefully everybody's going to, you know, we'll have a great 2015. So, you know, Merry Christmas to you and to Michelle, Dave, you, you Nicole, and everybody, you know, everybody just, you know, just have a great holiday and a great, you know, great New Year. You too, man. Thank Take you, it easy. We'll talk to you in, in the following year. Tony, one of our, our you know longest uh, supporters on this show, and uh, you know he brought up you know it is interesting you know where does TNA go, and as we're, we're going through uh, Wrestler of the Year, uh, two TNA mainstays also nominated for Wrestler of the Year, Bully Ray and Bobby Roode. Uh, you know Bully Ray's work, uh, you know it's been amazing how he's branched out as a single star, uh, a guy who continues to be gold on the mic and made a lot of noise on the independent scene as well. And Bobby Roode continues to be just, you know, that guy that's synonymous with TNA. Um, you know, he's, he's someone that really can do it all. You know, in TNA, I think Bobby Roode at times gets a bit lost in the landscape of pro wrestling. But I love Bobby Roode. Big fan of everything he does. Solid in-ring, solid promo guy. Just uh, all-around very talented guy. So two guys from TNA, Bully Ray and Bobby Roode, nominated for Wrestler of the Year, Dave. Yeah, I mean, Bully Ray started out twenty, you know, twenty fourteen, coming off the the, the heels of uh, you know the end of the Aces and Eights, which he was the leader of, which I thought was a good group. I think they could have done some better things with the group um, and how they portrayed the, the 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 faction. But you know, they gave him a role as being a leader of this group, and he took charge of it, and he did a great job of it. And he was coming off the heels of that and kind of doing his own thing. And which which transformed into you know the the stuff he did with Dixie Carter and they built up towards eventually him putting her through a table um, and then following that his reuniting with Devon and TNA and you know his tag team series with the Wolves and with the Hardys you know Bully Ray became a a, a focal point of uh, TNA wrestling and unfortunately at this time as we know that we know of Bully Ray is not currently in TNA. Um, Another guy who is currently in TNA, Bobby Roode, another guy who had a phenomenal year in TNA. He was, you know, as, as talent was leaving, as talent was getting flushed out, as TNA was in a state of flux, Roode was a mainstay. Um, Roode, like you said, he could do it all. He could cut a promo, he could be a healer, he could be a babyface. Um, to me, I think some of the best stuff that he did was his match with, uh, his couple of matches with uh, Bobby Lashley. I mean, Bobby Roode, you know, he... He really cemented himself a few years ago as a run with with the TNA World Title as a bad guy, and I, I wasn't too keen on him being a babyface at first, but um, it, it grew on me. And he's definitely you know he's he's the workhorse of the company. He's been there for a long time, one of their longest tenured wrestlers. And uh, you know when TNA at times didn't seem like it was something good to watch, you knew you were going to get a good match, a good promo, and solid, uh, you know, product out of Bobby Roode. And, like, a Bully Ray, too, you know. Two guys who are both deserving to be on the ballot for Wrestler of the Year here at the Ken Reedy Show. And, uh, you know, Roode is going into 2015 as the TNA World Heavyweight Champion, but he's also going into 2015, you know, as 
the, the, the flag bearer and the face of TNA. You know, TNA went through a rebuilding process in 2014. Several stories out noted of dozens of talent departures in the company. You know, this is one of our big stories of 2015. You know, so, 2014, excuse me. Something that, you know, I felt the need that we need to discuss on this show. Notable names such as Sting, the phenomenal AJ Styles, TNA Originals, Bad Influence, Christopher Daniels and Kazarian, and Bully Ray, just to name a few, left TNA in that rebuilding process. And some of those departures, as well as some of the questionable creative decisions we saw on television, many speculated the future of TNA. As the news broke this past fall of TNA parting ways with Spike TV at the end of 2014. Now, management keeping talent in the dark about the company's future didn't help the matter, as 2014 was vastly coming to a close. When news broke a month ago of TNA Impact finding a new destination, that being Discovery's Destination America. On January 7, 2015, TNA Impact will debut on the new network, Destination America, with Bobby Lashley challenging Bobby Roode for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. It's Roode Lashley 3. But what wrestling fans want to know is, how can the company rebuild and rebrand itself heading into their new home on Destination America on January the 7th? I, you know, and that's just it. I mean, this this year was a, a troubling year for TNA. Um, at times, uh, the product was difficult to watch. And, and they're definitely in a, a rebuilding process. But how, how do they do that? Um, and, and I do think as, as we look to the future, um, and again, the, the whole vibe of tonight's show, and it's kind of why we change how we do our year-end show, is, you know, the, times are changing. And uh, TNA, you know, I think, you know, stripping salary is probably a smart move business-wise. But now you got to put out an entertaining product. And, and maybe, uh, you know, you have to look at changing things up exactly how you, you do business, uh, how you, you run your, your television programming. They have been accused for many years of just kind of like being a WWE wannabe kind of show. And then their show's... Um, you know, structure-wise, uh, become very similar to uh, WWE programming. It, perhaps it's something where, you know, creative and TNA has to go to the drawing board and, and do something uh, completely different. Uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but I do think that when you see what happened to TNA in 2014 and how things continue to unfold, I think the easiest thing to agree on probably, Dave, is something has to change. I don't think this company is going to, to last very long uh, maintaining the status quo. They're going to have to tweak what they're doing in, in some way, shape, or form to kind of, rather than, than try and steal a WWE audience, try to create a new audience for themselves. Oh, absolutely. I mean, let's look at the success of Ring of Honor. Yes, Ring of Honor is a smaller company, but Ring of Honor has is, is got a worldwide population. Yeah, in the United States, they're only seen in 25 television markets with Sinclair Broadcasting. But Ring of Honor, their success, you know what it is? It's what makes them different than WWE, what makes them Ring of Honor. You know, It's their in-ring product that makes them so different. And the, the, the realistic, compelling storylines and you know how they take chances on certain talent. Yes, they bring in some name talent every now and then, but they, they stick to the meat and potatoes of what all of us are, are, are truly are, wrestling fans. And I think that's what TNA, you know, in the early days of TNA, their success was what made them different. It's the differences that they had 
to WWE, you know. They focused a lot on the X Division. Guys like AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, Jerry Lynn, Low Key, Homicide, guys like that. Those names, you know, made the X Division must-see wrestling TV, you know, the, the, the in-ring action. It was bell-to-bell. That's what it was promoted as. These guys are super athletes. They'll put it all on the line for you. you got to check them out. And they made them a focal point of the show. And, yes, they did need some names to get some recognition out there on the mainstream to be a player in the business. I understand that. But I think the way that they utilized some of those names was was not helpful to them growing as a company. Getting Hogan, I understood that. But I think using him the way that they did, they could have scaled back just a little bit. Guys like Sting, Kurt Angle, you know. And some of those names, it helped them rejuvenate their careers. But what did it do for the long-term process of building TNA as a profitable, viable wrestling company in the United States and then all over the world, you know, trying to compete with WWE? Now they can't do that. You know, they're at a new home in Destination America, yes. There are 30 million they, they, they They're going to be seen in 65 million homes. And that's 30 million less than what you see on the, when they're on Spike TV. But from what we're hearing, they have supported this network. There's opportunities for growth in the company. There's opportunities for more programming to air on Discovery's, you know, different networks. I mean, Destination America is one of the, the top five growing companies since it debuted in uh, 2012, just, you know, almost three years ago. So TNA, I think it's a fresh start for them, and they're also going to be a focal point of this network. I think what's going to help them rebuild and rebrand, we've heard that Josh Matthews is going to take the lead on the commentary with Taz. I think that's something fresh. I love Mike Tenay, and I wish he'd stay in the booth, but if they want to rebrand themselves and look towards the future, I think they got to move past some of the things that, were, were a part of the old guard, and I think, you know, a fresh face and voice like Josh Matthews will help that product feel young and hip again. Um, I even think going back to some of the, the, the TNA originals to help get them on the map would be a, a safe bet in helping rebrand and rebuild them, because I don't think that they got enough exposure in their time in TNA. I think there was unlimited potential with, with a guy like AJ Styles. Now, from what I'm hearing, AJ has no plans to go back to TNA for the way that they shafted him on the way out the door. But from what I've been hearing, they're looking to reach out to some some old faces, some of the originals in TNA, to help rebrand them on this new launch on Destination America. And I think they just got to make smarter choices. And like I said, they got to do what's best for TNA. They got to be they got to be the best TNA wrestling they can be, not the best alter, not the best you know copy or alternative to WWE, you know what I mean? The, 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 the six-sided ring, I thought that was a great idea. It's something that makes them stand out. I thought that some of the, 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 the match concepts that they have were, were, were truly innovative. The ultimate X match, the king of the mountain match, you know, the, 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 the lethal lockdown. Yes, it's a kind of a ripoff of war games, but, I mean, certain things like that, that's what they have to do to... To, to really differentiate themselves and be successful on their own. Worry about what you're doing. Don't worry about what the number one wrestling promotion in the world is doing because they're still going to be number one. It's going to take a while to knock them down off their perch, and it may not even – it's probably not going to happen. But do the best that you can. Don't worry about what other people are doing because once you worry about what other, what other people are doing, then you take away from what you're doing and the creative juices you got flowing. And just, you know, that, that, that's really, in my opinion – how they need to rebuild and rebrand. One one other thing I, I want to add, though, before I 
before I get off this tangent, is that they need to advertise and market better. Because I, I've said this before on the show, there have been guys like Kevin Nash and guys like Rob Van Dam who have been who were part of TNA at one point, and they talked in interviews about how they'd get bumped into at the airport by wrestling fans, and wrestling fans would ask them when they're returning to wrestling, and they would say, I'm on Spike TV every Thursday night or every Friday night or whatever it is. Dude. It's, I, I think they got a better shot at really making it now with this network, and I'm very optimistic to see um, you know, what, what's, what's going to be in store for the company heading into 2015. Yeah, I think I get the nail on the head. I mean, just be the best TNA you can be. If if somewhere down the line, like accidentally, you're you're creeping up on the WWE, then cool, kudos to you, you know. But don't don't necessarily look at we, we have to go after them. Look at let's just be the best we can, and and hopefully that will lead to some sex success. Lead to some sex. You see where my mind is. <laughs> hopefully that'll lead to some sex. Furthermore, okay. Um, Anyway, oh, Dixie, you got my number. Okay. Uh, you know, someone, you know, staying on this vibe as a, well, not the sex vibe, but going in the, the vibe of kind of needing a fresh start, uh, changing things up a bit, um, you know, an award, and this is the only kind of negative award that we're giving out tonight, um, and it's a shame, but we felt like it, 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 it needed to be mentioned. Uh, our award, quote, unquote, I guess, uh, for most underused, talent uh, in wrestling uh, goes to, I'm not even going to give this a drum roll, but Cesaro. Cesaro, most underused uh, talent in professional wrestling. And a weird kind of year for Cesaro. All the talent in the world looked like the sky was the limit when this guy wins the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. And lo and behold, uh, just, jeez, I don't know what the hell is going on with him. Uh, They pissed someone off behind the scenes, but... uh, Hoping that, that that you know we're we're nominating him for another a different award next year, uh, hoping he he moves up. But uh, yeah, for our money, Dave underutilized this year. It was a weird year for him. I mean, you know, in the beginning of the year, you had heard rumblings of of them having plans to to make him a singles competitor and, and do something with him. And the you know coming off of WrestleMania, you know he he he. he Dumps Swagger and Coulter on the pre-show after the tag team match. He enters the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, wins it, has that huge WrestleMania moment of body slamming Big Show over the top rope to win the Battle Royal. The next night, shocks everybody. Nobody saw it coming. He was going to – they pair him up with Heyman. And once they paired him up with Heyman, it went – just crash and burn. I mean, I, I think that they, they did it to keep Heyman busy. But they didn't do it to, to, to further plan something for Cesaro. Even though it had been rumored that there was talk of pushing Cesaro to the point where he was going to be a serious contender for Lesnar's title, that never happened. And I think a lot of things affected that. Like I said in previous shows, I think you know the, the, the CM Punk walkout may have affected that. I think Daniel Bryan's injury may have affected that. Um, but a guy who had just, you know, he's kind of been all over the place since broke up with Heyman and you know even then I had I was optimistic that okay this very you know quiet subtle split between the two there's going to be more meant to it and they're going to retouch and revisit this at some point later on in the year that's going to give Cesaro that singles push and they never have I mean 
granted, I'm not a big fan of it, but I, I, I do enjoy it right now. I'm kind of liking the stuff he's doing with Tyson Kidd, tagging up, two guys who are very underutilized, and they put them together, and Natalia's kind of like the arm piece for the two of them. Um, maybe they'll make a good tag team, I don't know, but I like Cesaro better on a singles run. He's one of my favorites. I met him earlier this year at WrestleMania. Very nice guy. Um, I, I mean, the sky's the limit for the guy. When Vince said that he was just missing something, that there was, I was like, are you kidding me? He's just missing something. When he said that on that podcast, I was like scratching my head. I'm like, he's missing something. He won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. 75,000 people were going nuts for him in that stadium. What's he missing? What's he missing? He's over with the audience. He's talented in the ring. You know, he's a believable character. He's not some... He, He's not some hokey sports entertainer character. He's a gritty, tough, rough, and, and, and go pro wrestler. That's what he is. And to me, I think that still draws, especially in a world where a lot of fans, you know, even mixed martial arts, they like to see just a no-nonsense, kick-your-ass kind of guy. Cesaro is that guy. Cesaro is that guy in wrestling right now. And I don't think that WWE's capitalized enough on what he's capable of doing in the ring. Agreed. So hopefully next year is, is a, a better year for him as we go through our nominations for Wrestler of the Year. And uh, that's going to be our last award, but we want to get into just the last two nominations that we haven't talked about. And two guys, very different. Uh, you know, John Cena continues to be the, the guy, the man. In, I mean, honestly, first, off, first and foremost, John Cena, biggest star in the biggest wrestling company on the planet. Period. So right there... Yeah, he deserves to be nominated for Wrestler of the Year. Continues to do it. Continues to be the top star. Uh, you know, looked like he was being phased out. Had to kind of put him back into the forefront post uh, the Daniel Bryan injury. Uh, willing to get his, you know, company guy. Gets his ass kicked by uh, Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Uh, John Cena definitely deserves nomination for Wrestler of the Year. And kind of a newcomer. Uh Seth Rollins, who may be not a household name coming into this year, a part of the Shield, has made quite a name for himself over the course of this year. So, you know, when you look down the list of guys nominated for Wrestler of the Year, you know, Seth Rollins is the only guy on the list that, that you know, perhaps not a household name uh, coming into the year, definitely one amongst wrestling fans now. John Cena and Seth Rollins round out the nominees for Wrestler of the Year. John Cena, mainstay in WWE. Um, I, I personally think that, you know, yes, it was a good year for him. It wasn't great. He's had better years in WWE. Um, I thought his stuff with Bray Wyatt was some really good stuff. And I think that's about it as far as, like, the, the stuff that he, he, he did from a storyline standpoint. I think everything else was just kind of the status quo. So um, I, uh, I personally think that, you know, Cena – he doesn't get my nod for wrestler of the year, but as far as Rollins goes, I mean, let's talk about Rollins here for a minute. Rollins went from being, you know, a guy in the Shield, you know, to have to to that group having a you know a, a memorable start to 2014 and continuing with their feud with Evolution to him turning on the Shield. Nobody saw that coming. Everybody thought it was going to be Ambrose that was going to turn. He was the one that turned, and look what he did. He aligned with the Authority. He ended up winning the Money in the Bank. He's had some great matchups with Dean Ambrose on pay-per-view. Um, one of them is nominated for Match of the Year uh, this year here on the Ken Reedy Show. And to me, he's he's really carving out his niche, a niche of being a household name in WWE. Um, 
you know, one of the one of the things that um, you know, one of the big stories of 2014 as well that that pertains to Seth Rollins, uh, you know, is the the advent of the pay per views now being displayed on the WWE Network. You know, it was February of 2014 in Las Vegas, Nevada, where Vince McMahon announced the debut of the over-the-top service known as the WWE Network. Thousands of hours of content, new original programming, every WWE pay-per-view of the calendar year at your fingertips, all for a low monthly price of $9.99. But the real question here is, what did this do to the pay-per-view industry? What did this do to the current WWE television product? And what will this do to the WWE talent going forward who look for big pay-per-view paydays but may not see those anymore with pay-per-views airing on the network and phasing out of the original pay-per-view format and system? It's right. I mean, that you know, arguably that could be the biggest story of the year. And, and where does this go for the future? And as our running theme continues to be, you know, how the future is going to unfold. I mean, I love the network. Wrestling fans love the network. Um you know, are enough casual fans buying into the network? Um, you know, is the current product out there doing doing enough to sell the network? Uh, remains to be seen. But uh, to me, you know, Dave, you know, it's it's no it's no exaggeration, really, how how big the the advent of the WWE network is. I mean, it's just a phenomenal service. It's very affordable. Uh, you know, it 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 may change how, how a lot of things are, are disseminated as far as our, our entertainment dollar. I think it's going to affect not only uh, the pay-per-view industry, but uh, cable TV as a whole. Uh, just uh, something, uh, you know, incredibly affordable and, and, and different to, to embrace technology and, uh, you know, get a, a product like this, uh, you know, that accessible. Um I look for the the network to. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping it expands and continues to grow. But who knows? I mean, we, we business wise, you hear they're not where they want to be as far as subscribers. I'm surprised at that. I think it's a great product, but arguably that could have been the biggest story in in 2014. Well, as a wrestling fan's dream, all the wrestling content you want at the touch of your fingertips anytime you want. Um, that, that that's what wrestling fans have wanted with a channel, a network for a long time. WWE has that ability to provide it now. Um, I think it's a great idea. I think that, you know, they're staying on the curve of technology. Other entities like HBO and CBS are doing their own streaming services. I think it's really affecting, you know, uh, help affect the way cable TV is presented nowadays and what the future of that's going to hold. Um, you know, as far as like pay-per-view paydays for some talents, I could see WWE talents getting their contracts restructured. Well, you may not get X amount of dollars working this pay-per-view, but we're going to give you more in your downside guarantee, or we're going to give you more in your um, your your, uh, your 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 merchandise deal, your your royalty check. Um, that depending on who the talent is, and I think all what helps that network grow is new and original content. I think more new and original content needs to be produced, and I'm hearing that there's a lot of new stuff that they are going to produce over time. And I think also, too, that the current WWE product that's on cable right now needs to be, in my opinion, more compelling, more appealing, a hotter topic um, to get people to subscribe to that network. Um, Because we've had this discussion before on the show this year that all the great stuff that you're seeing on WWE Network, all the stuff from the past, the, the glory days of wrestling, the Attitude Era, the Golden Age, the Rock and Wrestling Era, you watch that stuff and then you flip the channel and you go on Monday Night Raw and it's subpar, even better yet, piss poor. 
it, it really the network in some way can do some disservice to the current WWE product. So I think those are the factors that are going to help the success of the network continue to grow um, over time. And I think also, too, like I said, the way cable television is, uh, WWE staying on the curb with technology and streaming service, I think you know, this is one of the things that they jumped on early, but they did a good job doing it, staying with it. This is a, this is a long-term investment, in my opinion. Totally agree with you. In less than 10 minutes left, let's get into our final, our big three, our big three awards. And let's do it. Let's start off right now. Why don't we start off with Match of the Year and our nominees for Match of the Year this year, 2014. Wolves versus the Hardys versus 3D, Full Metal Mayhem, Shield versus Wyatt's Elimination Chamber, Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose, WWE Elimination Chamber, and Triple H versus Daniel Bryan, WrestleMania 30. And the winner for the match of the year, 2014, goes to Triple H, Daniel Bryan, WrestleMania 30. Dave, great. I mean, great match. You know, quickly. Uh, you know, Daniel Bryan was the hottest thing going. Great event, great moment. Those guys worked well together. A lot of great matches. Maybe you know, if if it happened earlier, Luke Harper and uh, Ziggler would have been nominated. But Triple H, Daniel Bryan, match of the year. Well, good to go over briefly the nominees. Wolves, Teton, three Har- uh, Hardys. I just watched it the other night. It was a fantastic match. It really, you know, brought you know ladder matches. TLC matches, uh, you know, uh, to, to, you know, help revolutionize that match. The, the, the Ambrose-Rollins match from SummerSlam, you know, everybody thought, oh, the Lumberjack match is going to be terrible. The Lumberjack gimmick is awful. They, they made that Lumberjack match probably the greatest Lumberjack match in the history of the wrestling business, in my opinion. The Shield-Wyatt, it was a dream match everybody wanted to see at Elimination Chamber, and they tore it up. And then, of course, you know, our winner, the match of the year, great story, the buildup into it. Um, Daniel Bryan, you know, being held down by the authority. Uh, it, for me personally, when he had that yes movement, the, the 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 all the fans in the ring, and he forced the authority to put him in that match, and then to eventually put him in the title match if he won, I felt like a little kid again. Like like holy crap! Like I'm finally getting it. Like you know, my one of my guys that I root for, he's finally gonna get what's coming to him. You know, he's gonna get the title shot. He's gonna get his revenge. And, you know, to see 75,000 people open up that show, him and Triple H, fantastic match overall, the heat, the build-up towards it, the payoff, the in-ring work. You know, people say Hunter Berry's talent. He went clean right in the middle to Daniel Bryan, and it was his moment that night. Um, truly an awesome match, in my opinion, and probably one of the better matches of, uh, of uh, you know, WrestleMania this year. So uh, going forward into event of the year, uh, WrestleMania 30. Well, the nominees are WrestleMania 30, Bound for Glory, House of Hardcore 7, ROH Final Battle, and SummerSlam. And the event of the year, 2014, goes to WrestleMania 30. Is there any doubt? You know, it's tough to vote against this. Match of the year was at WrestleMania 30. Markout moment of the year was at WrestleMania 30. And to be honest, we're talking about Cesaro being underutilized. We're talking about the, the sky looked bright when he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania 30. Great events listed here, but it just was going to be tough to beat WrestleMania 30 this year. 
Absolutely. Like you said, mark out moment of the year, open up the show. Daniel Bryan, Triple H, eventually later on the night, Bryan finally got the championship. You know, the, 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 the big moment that wrestling fans are waiting for. It was a great moment to be a part of. Of course, the streak ending happened that very night. You know, something that nobody saw coming. Probably the most shocking moment of, of 2014 in the world of wrestling. Uh, the, 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 the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. We saw Bray Wyatt step into his own and become, you know, a, a certified, you know, star and main eventer working with John Cena. Overall, I mean, it was just a, a happening to be a part of. I, I, I you know, it's probably the, the best WrestleMania I've attended in person. And in my opinion, one of the top five WrestleManias in the history of the event. Definitely agree. I mean, uh, as a wrestling fan, so excited to, to be a part of that and be there for that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, all those things, that all those awards already won, WrestleMania 30, Event of the Year. And let's get to it. As we're winding down our year here on the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk, our final award, Wrestler of the Year. We've been discussing uh, the nominees throughout the show. To recap, the nominees for Wrestler of the Year, Bully Ray, Bobby Roode, John Cena, Seth Rollins, and Brock Lesnar. And the winner of the most prestigious award that we're going to give out tonight, Wrestler of the Year, Wrestler of the Year. The award goes to Seth Rollins for Wrestler of the Year. Congratulations, Seth Rollins. I know you're listening, but you know what? As we talk about the theme, the winds of change are upon us. The other four nominees... Household names in the world of pro wrestling. Seth Rollins, perhaps not, coming into 2014. Part of the, a great faction to start the year. Great turn in the middle of the year. Has built himself into the top heel in the top wrestling company in the land. Uh, you know, and the sky's the limit right now for Rollins. Seth Rollins, amazing year for him. Wrestler of the year. Congratulations. What an incredible year he had, Dave. Isn't it ironic that you know, we've talked about the Shield, and you and I, we still are, you know, supporters on the Roman Reigns bandwagon for being the guy. He was, in my opinion, he was the, he was the guy to break out and be the big main event star. And when that breakup took place, first of all, nobody, like I said, nobody saw Seth Rollins being the one to initiate that turn. A lot of people thought Ambrose was going to be. A lot of people thought Ambrose was going to be the star of the group. And when that group broke up, Ambrose stood out like a sore thumb because he differentiated himself with his look and with his character. But Rollins, like, nobody saw, everybody kind of looked at him and was like, he'll do good, but he won't be great. Well, he's proven that he's on a track record of being great. The things that he's done this year, he's been able to hold his own in the ring. I mean, he's, he's certainly seen as a bona fide main eventer. In WWE, he headlined October's Hell in the Cell pay-per-view with Dean Ambrose inside Hell in the Cell, a match that everybody wanted to see. People were clamoring to see Dean Ambrose get their hands on Seth Rollins. You know, for a singles role, it was a little bit rough at first, getting used to Rollins being on his own, but he definitely held his own and is truly going to be a force for the years to come in WWE. I mean, his, his background speaks for itself, the things he's done in Ring of Honor, and on the independent scene over the years, um, it, it's definitely showing here in WWE. And, uh, you know, he's got the Money in the Bank contract. That's the next big thing for him right now is what, when he's going to cash that in. And, uh, you know, hopefully he's not going to be like some of the ones who cashed in and haven't been so so successful in their runs. But 
like I said, ironic that like Ambrose and Reigns were the two that like people looked at the most as being the big stars out of that group, and they are. But like Rollins is right there with, with all three of them. All three of those guys had a great 2014 and are the future of wrestling. But Seth Rollins really stood out and for somebody who wasn't looked at as a big deal in that group. Yeah, and it's interesting that WWE, you know, the award goes to uh, Roman Reigns. And again, we were on the Roman Reigns bandwagon, but, you know, the, the injury kind of, you know, for us, sidetracked him. So he didn't even get nominated. A uh, guy like Ambrose had some holes throughout the year. But but Seth Rollins, you know, like you said, put himself as a bona fide main eventer and, and maintained that uh, from main event faction to a main event singles guy throughout the course of the year. Incredible year for... Uh, a new guy. So congratulations, Seth Rollins. Dave, we did it. Another year-end show. Another year in the books for us. Can't believe it, it, it's over. Uh, you know, before we, we got about 30 seconds left, have a great Christmas and, and Happy New Year. Look forward to getting into it in 2015 again. Happy holidays to, to your family as well. Great year this year. Thank you very much, Ken. And the same goes to you. I wish you and your family nothing but the best for the holiday season. 2014 was awesome. I look forward to another great year of the Ken Reedy Show with you, and it's a privilege to be your co-host every single week on this show. It's it's, it's a highlight of my week, and thank you. You guys just support us. Thank you guys all so much. Have a great holiday season. We'll see you January 12th. For Dave, I am Ken. Good night, everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.